I want to bring you a very specific message today. It is so important that I have titled it A Matter of Life and Death. You know you're never getting off this planet alive. Do you know that you may have laced your shoes for the last time today and in some hospital emergency room or along the roadway somewhere, somebody else may take them off of you. Do you understand that somewhere for a percentage of the folks that I'm talking to today, there's some percentage that will no doubt not make it till this time next week. That's why I tell young preachers all the time, you must learn to preach like a dying man to dying men. Tomorrow is promised to no man. Folks used to ask me, why don't you run for the United States Senate? Had a whole group of them get together back in the early 2000s say, why don't you run for president? And I tell them, and I told them, why would I want a demotion? I don't want to be a medical doctor. All respect to medical doctors. But the best they can do is saw your chest open and take out your beating heart and do surgery on it and then put it back in and show you up and give you a few more years on this cursed planet. What I get to deal with tonight, today, is the merchandise of eternity. People will go to heaven or hell based on the words of the gospel preacher. This is a high level, important position. And I have no time to waste because this time tomorrow, I may be in heaven, leaping like a heart over the everlasting hills of God's glory to suffer no more, sigh no more, cry no more, die no more. And you may be in a place where men gnaw their tongues for pain. You say, I don't believe in hell. That doesn't make it any less a reality. Some people don't believe in me, but here I is. What are you talking about? It makes no difference to truth what you believe. If you believe the truth, the truth will make you free. But what you believe makes no difference to the truth. The truth is still the truth. I'm not talking about facts. I'm talking about truth. The fact was I had vocal cord cancer. The truth was I was healed by his stripes. Truth takes precedence over fact. I just said a thing. Touch somebody and tell them this is life and death. Hell, a place where your nerves become nothing more than strings upon which Satan himself will play the diabolical tune of hell's unalterable lament. Hell gets real quiet when you say that word. Most of the church never hears it. That's why they took me off a major television network that I helped build because they told me I couldn't talk about hell anymore. 
I'm reaching more people now than I ever did with y'all. I don't even know if my church believes in hell from your response. Well, we believe in it. We just don't want to hear you talk about it. Just like you don't want to hear me talk about that suffering, sighing, crying, dying. Man on that middle stake, suspended between heaven and earth on that angry, mean, biting beam, bleeding blood by which the very veins of God himself were emptied. Oh, that's too ugly, pastor. That's too grotesque. Give us happier images. There is no happier image. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. I'm gonna preach till somebody gets happy. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now, when I don't have a dollar to change, and now, when she walks out and says she's never coming back, and now, when the doctor looks at me and says you'll never preach again, and now, I'm happy all the day. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? Did my Sovereign die? Amazing pity, grace unknown, love beyond degree. God has a problem. He has an issue. He just can't stop loving you. In the morning sun and the evening rain, he just can't stop loving you. When you get it right and when you get it wrong, he just can't stop loving you. In your fidelity and in your infidelity, in your faith and in your faithlessness, he cannot stop loving you. Look at somebody and say, the man's talking about life and death. Pay attention. Uh, the book of Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. I've heard texts without sermons. I've heard sermons without texts. I would prefer the latter. But for no other reason than to say we did. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, stop. Five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Where there is no vision, where there is no prophetic unction and direction, the people perish. Cross out perish. It's an old English word. It means die. Where there's some six-foot icicle, up there moaning and groaning and messing about. Or where there's some Nashville has been Motown wannabe trying to lead people into the throne room of God. Where there is no prophetic unction, the people die. I didn't mean to talk about a large percentage of the modern church. 
Because entertainment has replaced evangelism. We gotta hurry in and get a sermonette from a preacherette so we can go to dinette and get it. The people die. If you go to a church where you don't feel anything, if you go to a church where nobody ever gets healed, if you go to a church where they don't speak in other tongues, if you go to a church where no one's got any joy, no shout, no holly followed by hallelujah, don't get out of that church. Don't walk out of that church. Run, leap over people, climb over the folding chairs and find you a place where the Shekinah glory of God is issuing over the sapphire sill of heaven's gate and changing lives today. Look at somebody and tell them, you can't die up in here. We will resurrect you. We'll resurrect your joy. We'll resurrect your peace. We'll resurrect your hope. We'll resurrect your dead marriage. We will resurrect your dead, nasty, gossipy tongue. Mm. Well, I got to preach this thing, doctor. I got to preach this thing. For ages upon ages, headstands have been a demonstration of agility and balance. They, they practiced by great entertainers. I was at a Cleveland Cavaliers game and it, it was halftime. And all of a sudden, out onto that floor comes an Asian lady, and she's about 30 feet up in the air on a unicycle. She's pedaling a unicycle. And on top of her head are about 30 glass bowls. I'm pedaling. I didn't get my steps in yesterday. All of a sudden, she goes, oh, and all those plates, dishes, bowl, come off her head, and she catches on her unicycle. She's still pedaling. And she grabs one and flips it up, kicks it with her toe, and ducks her head, and it lands right on top of her head. She did that the whole halftime. I said, I'd love to have been in the room when this 10-year-old Asian girl came to her PhD mom and daddy and said, Mom, Dad, I've got it. I'm going to spend the rest of my life practicing 12 hours a day to ride a unicycle and put bowls on the top of my head. I'm sure they went, thank God. Can you imagine? Her balance is a, 
remarkable thing. My, my doctor has me now, he has me doing this thing. And no, that's because I have to practice every day. Because I'll be 64 years old right now. And, and you have a tendency to lose a little bit of your equilibrium. Can I tell you that that kind of thing delights the masses? But when entire segments of our culture and entire segments of the modern church go to living upside down as a permanent way of life, it has disastrous consequences, some of which I want to talk to you just a little bit about. Shout, it's a matter of life and death. Cultural disorientation has become the real pandemic. Children now act like adults, and adults now act like children. Look at somebody and say, grow up. Your teenager wants their clothes back. Mother Earth is worshiped. They're taxing you to death for it. Becoming absolutely dependent on foreign oil, paying triple what you were paying a year ago for gasoline. And like sheep, we just go to the slaughter. We were energy independent four months ago. Didn't have to ask nobody for nothing. Mother Earth is worshiped. Plant a tree. I love that all the people telling me to do this are flying to their conferences on G5s, burning more fuel and polluting more air than you will in your lifetime on one trip. We're living on our heads. Look at somebody and tell them we're upside down. Mother Earth is worshiped. I, I schooled a young preacher about this yesterday. I hope he's preaching about it today. I said, motherhood is despised. Where are the church mothers? No, where, no, no, no. Look, I was brought up with the, with the nurses. You, you don't know nothing from that. I was raised up with the nurses, with their white nurse hat and their white nurse clothes and sitting in a section right over there. You better know this. They were the best cheerleaders any church ever had. And everybody looked at them and said, there's our mothers. That's what we emulate. They're teaching the younger women so the younger women aren't getting on their social media half naked while they're supposed to be in ministry. You don't want me to preach. I'm talking about life and death. Governments, multi-billion dollar corporations leading us around like dumb sheep. You know why? Because all you have to do to destroy revival is shut that preacher up. 
All you got to do is make him afraid. All you've got to do is intimidate him. I saw a so-called national preacher on social media acting like he was having sex from behind with his wife. What? You know what Jeremiah said? They are so far gone, they cannot even blush. Things that used to make us gasp don't even make us blush anymore. I'm talking to you about life and death today. I think I struck a nerve. Everybody went to World War II. I'm a boomer. Anybody else a boomer? Raise your hand. God bless all the boomers. Church doesn't care about you anymore. No, they don't care about you. All they care about, every preacher I talk to. Well, we are after the millennial generation. Well, there are four other generations on earth right now. How about you try to reach some of them? The average person accepts Christ as Savior before its eighth birthday. How much money are you spending on children's ministry? Where are the church mothers? We want to complain about these millennials that have lost their way and are living on their head. It's because we don't have church mothers. I was raised with church mothers. You couldn't get in the altar before church for the mothers with their handkerchief calling down the blessing and glory of God. Where are our mothers? You better show her. I want to see her up there. That's a mother. That's a mother. Y'all want to talk about this one, and that's wonderful, because she's worthy. But she didn't fall far from this tree right here, you understand. She taught her mother what was right and what was wrong. People all talking about, you know, we are fatherless generation. The church is motherless. Sit down, I can't see. Where are the mothers? Say, come here. Come here. My spirit tells me that you and your husband having sex with another woman. Where's that? So they just sit in the church on the 14th row and act like everything's normal. You're about to split hell open. Open. This is life and death. I ain't playing at this thing. No, sir. We need mothers. I'm a boomer. Everybody came back from World War II and then Korea. And uh, it was long, cold winters that everybody was, you know, away. And then we had a baby boom. I mean, everybody was having babies. And at that same time, the industrial and intellectual complex began this thing. They called it women's rights, which I'm all for. It's a sin that a woman make 84 cents on the dollar what a man in the same position makes. That's a sin. But that's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about telling mothers that their place was not to raise their children and make them feel guilty for being at home. It's not just the fathers no longer in the home, it's the mothers no longer in the home. Good God Almighty. Yeah, I'm pretty stirred up here. I'm sick of a bunch of foul demon devils and the church snuggling up to the fire of the world and comforting itself. Don't look at me and say, he said it's wrong for a woman to work. I didn't say that. Why you, why you, why you, why don't you listen to what I say instead of what you think I said there? I-G, troll. I just been waiting on y'all to get back. I'm gonna quit. Yep, I'm gonna quit. Motherhood became despised. My mother, my mother, her picture right there on the end of that pew. My mother, Mother Ellen Partisley. My mother. My mother. We moved to Columbus, Ohio when I was two. And we moved to Butcher Avenue. You don't know nothing about that. Butcher Avenue is on the south side. The near south side. It's right off Parsons Avenue. Where every Friday and Saturday night, the hillbillies and the African Americans wallowed together in the mud, the blood, and the beer. Period. That's it. We lived on the third floor, up wooden steps. When my mother put us in bed at night with a Bible reading and prayer, not a phone or some stupid mechanical device. No wonder your children can't sleep. No wonder you can't sleep. You bombard yourself with blue screen technology that any doctor and any scientist will tell you if you watch it within two hours of going to sleep, you'll never get into REM sleep. That's why you're always tired. Had to drink seven Red Bulls today to get through the day. My mother would put us in bed at night on the third floor. And she had a little pan of water by the bed. And she washed my sister and my feet. And then she'd swing her legs around, put us down in those sheets that she'd washed by hand. Some of y'all laundry room looked like a nuclear explosion. If this is you, that's good. Do your laundry. My mama wash our feet. 
My mom washed our feet. And she slid us over in those sheets. They felt so good. And she said, now don't get up. The rats are bad again. What? You live with rats? Like y'all have a dog. It ain't always been like this. You want my anointing? <laughs> okay. Okay. Rats in your house as big as cats. Be blessed. She'd wash our feet and tell us not to get out of bed. Wait a minute. You have the conception because of what I've said that she was there all day long. My mother worked two jobs. Some of y'all can't handle part-time. Of course, with the government paying you more not to work than to work, I guess it's okay. Just have somebody else pay you. This is life and death. So women came home and they had to work. My mother worked two jobs. We had one car. My mother walked to work at both her jobs. I watched my mother take cardboard boxes and cut the size of her shoe and put cardboard in her shoes to cover up the holes, to walk to work. But she was a proud woman. She didn't have a hand stuck out. Oh, that went over big. She worked two jobs walking. We never missed breakfast together at the table, not going through McDonald's. We never missed dinner together every day. You say, how's that even possible? Because my mother revered being a mother. She had a career. My mother sold more real estate than anybody in Franklin County. Hello? My mother, I traveled 100 to 120 nights a year on the road preaching this gospel. My mother's the only person I know preached more than I did. When she was pushing 80. Where are mothers? Where'd they go? Well, the church didn't need them. The church didn't need the mothers. We needed the light show. We, we didn't need children's ministry. We needed a giant screen. We, we didn't need to care about those over 50 in our churches. We didn't, we didn't have to care about them. That's the reason I'm ripping these pews out of here. I'm sick of looking at them. They've been here 34 years. And don't go like this on them, they might fall with you. And I said I'm gonna get the most comfortable thing anybody's ever sat down in. And I did too. 
y'all gonna feel like you're in a one of them movie chairs. I want you to thank every father of the church and every mother of the church because without them, the church will die. If you're here, celebrate a mother right now. Good God in heaven. Touch somebody, go ahead. COVID's dead in Jesus' name. Be seated. This is a matter of life and death. Free speech is a matter of life and death. It's the foundational principle of everything we believe. Your right to speak, but not today. Free speech will get you thrown in jail with free room and board. Life is denied and death is affirmed. I'm saying some stuff. Postmodern, post-Christian society hasn't stopped being religious. Oh no, the culture has simply replaced the old God with new gods. The cathedrals are now houses of worship and houses of worship are concert arenas and multiplexes. We don't care whether you've got an anointing or not. Can you entertain us? Inside those places of so-called worship, you'll find misguided masses of people who assume, watch me, watch me, life and death, who assume that famous people are smarter, wiser, happier. Just more special than you. How many followers you got? America has a glut of educated idiots. Can't, my daddy used to say, don't have sense enough pound sand in a rattle. Not very wide between the eyes, you understand. What people now want is an all-powerful saving benefactor mm -hmm. who will guarantee them health, we'll take care of it. Safety, we got you covered. Income, we'll give it to you. Education, why not? Long life, protection, from every calamity and misfortune, and that benefactor, my dear brother and sister, is the federal government. Well, I don't care whether you shout or not. You didn't call me. A government which always seems to know far better than mothers and fathers 
far more about what's right for your family and your children than you do. Can you say mask? It's not necessary, said the experts. No, everybody's got to wear one right now. Okay. Then, no, get the vaccination. They are paying people to take a vaccination. Where's the National Organization of Women? Where's Planned Parenthood? I, I thought it was my body. It's, it's my body. Then we were told, get the vaccination and everything's fine. Nope, get the vaccination and wear two masks. Wear a mask in the terminal of the airport or we will arrest you. But when you get on the airplane, you can take your mask off to eat our peanuts. You've got me in this thing like a sardine in a can. This, this virus is amazingly intellectual. It, it just knows all kinds of stuff. There's no word for an entity like that. It's a simple one. Christians should know it. It's called Messiah. And leaders in this nation have a Messiah complex. It's not about you, it's about power. It's about how much I can manipulate you, how much I can control you. And so it requires unashamedly bold and independent observation to point out just how upside down we've become. Now I believe that God's word provides a way forward, upright and facing true north. Are you ready? Romans 1, 22. Professing themselves to become wise, they became fools. How do you know? They changed the truth of God for a lie. These riveting scriptures are unfamiliar to, but reveal a vital truth about this generation. Simply put, we've turned truth and reason and what our grandparents used to call just plain old common sense upside down. The wicked are worshiped, the perverse are exalted. The noble are vilified. The irreverent are celebrated. How many F-bombs you can string together on social media determines how many followers you get. 
It's the culture we're living in. Godly virtue, laughed at, ridiculed, slandered, mocked. The only people that the social, academic, intellectual elite say it's okay to mock and vilify you. You, Christians. Our thought processes have become inverted. Can you say yes? Our morality is upside down. In a word, we're living on our head. 27 centuries ago, Isaiah witnessed similar circumstances. In chapter five of the ancient book that bears his name, the right side up prophet thundered. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. His message was by no means, watch me, user friendly, seeker sensitive, in vogue, popular. It wasn't even welcome, but it was necessary. Here's why Isaiah saw a people living on their heads without regard to timidity or timing or the thought of being asked for a return speaking engagement. He thundered out, this is absolute madness. He refused to remain mute while the nation he loved abandoned, insulted, and broke the heart of the God he was called and anointed to serve. And neither can I. As I look across America, as I see the church, I realize that to my chagrin, we've become a nation of contraries. We're pitted against each other. It's class warfare. It's socioeconomic warfare. It's racial warfare. We categorize people into little convenient groups and then we determine whether they are worthy of us or unworthy of us. We are a people thinking, believing, and acting as though we've been baptized in backwardity. It'll catch up to you. And resurrected in upside downitude. And we don't even know it. Inverted thinking gets a whole lot more obvious when it's applied to life and death issues. And that's what I want to speak to you just a moment about. Life and death issues are areas that are home to, in my opinion, some of the most stunning wrong-headedness on earth. In the face of a culture that's convinced itself that good men are monsters, life is bad, killing is a virtue, children and adults should switch places. I got a message for you today. There's one irreplaceable element to putting our upside down culture right side up again. We have to set a place at the head 
of the table once again for God. Period. Period. Here's what we're told. No God in our pledges. No God in our classrooms. No God in our politics. All of which we're supposed to accept from activist politicians who put their own power ahead of your family's needs. 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth encountered a culture just like this one. That's why I have hope. If we can get Jesus back into the thing, we can turn it around. But we gotta have some people that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not gonna be intimidated into silence and to shrinking back in some corner somewhere. I thought you had the Holy Ghost. Don't talk to me about your little shimmy, shimmy, rondi, tondi, take a ride of my Honda tongue. Show me your power. Show me your authority. Show me your boldness. Show me your witness. Jesus found a people who are absolutely obsessing over the minutest details of arcane religious law, yet giving no thought to God's greatest command to remember the poor and the oppressed. How much food did we give away in 20 weeks? Four million pounds? Four million pounds. Nobody wrote that in the paper. But you get three preachers to gather downtown and say parsley is this, that, or the other and they'll broadcast it on every channel for a week. I didn't see them. When we distributed $6 million worth of food, fresh food, beef and chicken, milk and dairy and cheese and cottage cheese and fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, with our own backs, six million dollars. They never said a word. Why? Because they're upside down. It doesn't fit, fit with their narrative. So they don't want to talk about that. Jesus found a people looking for political fixes for their spiritual depravity. Shall I try again? You can't legislate morality. <laughs> what a crazy thing. Pass every law you want. We're no longer a nation of laws. We obey the laws we want to. Disobey the ones we don't. There's no consequence. What, what are we doing? You can't answer spiritual depravity with house bill number whatever the whatever. You know how we shut down the biggest sex trafficking ring on the northeast coast of the United States of America? Not one law changed, but a whole lot of hearts did when we went and won them to Jesus and they shut the thing down. You know how we shut down 
the biggest strip joint in Columbus? You know how we shut down the biggest porn dealership in the city of Columbus? Changed hearts. Not one law changed. Don't depend on the government to do what the church won't. Jesus found a people treasuring what they should have despised and neglecting the things of true and lasting value. Yet he waded out into every public forum declaring these words, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I don't care who Pharaoh is, I don't care who Pilate is, I don't care who the Romans are, give all them whatever's coming to them. That's not what I'm here for. What I'm here for is that you who are dead may be made alive. Cause I, I happen to be the way, I happen to be the truth, and I happen to be the life. Somebody give him praise and give him glory. <laughs> Proverbs 31 8. Open your mouth. <laughs> when you're at the lunch table. Open your mouth when you're at the bridge club. Open your mouth when you're at the bowling alley. Open your mouth inside the tabernacle. Open your mouth on your way to work. Open your mouth when you're with your family. Open your mouth. Speak up for those who are unable to speak for themselves. Protect those who are dying. That's your command. Protect those who are dying. Now I understand that we get a whole lot of pushback against voices of warning like mine. Popular culture, so-called Christians, have adopted the modern mantra of enraged foe rebuke. They shout at us at every opportunity. Be quiet. Sit down. You're an awful human being. You're not like us. You should be ashamed of your opinion. You should be ashamed of your thoughts. Don't speak that. We'll cancel you. I prophesied it would happen. The cancelers are now canceling each other. One of their greatest stars in the last three months, she was a star because she was one of those ones with the F word every second breath. She's married to a great entertainer. She's a beautiful model. And her shtick was to be on Twitter 
and destroy the lives of as many people as she could, and they celebrated her for it. Until she stepped one toe over the line. And today, you can't find her. I, let me give you a deep revelation. All those people that you say on Facebook are your friends, ain't. They will turn on you. You should be shamed into silence. They make you afraid to tell the truth. They lie about you until you're afraid to speak the truth of God's Word. Wow. I don't know about you. I've just determined not to be shamed into silence. We're equipped with a life-changing, eternity-altering message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. Here's what I know. Whether they're on the battlefield or the highway, let me tell it to you this way. And I'm, I'm closing. This is closing number, uh, I don't know, three, wh whatever. You're driving home this afternoon or wherever you are. In front of you, there's an accident. A human person is thrown out of the wreckage onto the side of the road on the sidewalk. You can visibly see they're bleeding, they're injured. This is a horrible thing. What do you do? Do you just drive by? No, you don't. And do you know why? Because instinctively, we know this truth. Every life is of inestimable value. You don't know that person. It doesn't matter if they're on a battlefield somewhere. Thank you, every one of you who have served our great nation in the Air Force, the Army, the Marine Corps, the Navy, the Coast Guard. God bless you. The Marines have a saying, we leave no one behind. Why? Because they know, they intrinsically know that life is precious. Doesn't matter if they're on the battlefield, on the highway, in the suburbs, the city, at home, far away, we acknowledge every single day that people are precious and they must never be treated as property. They are not to be used for your benefit. You surely understand it, don't you? that things can be replaced, but there is simply no replacement for a grandmother, a mother, a wife, a husband, a son, a daughter, an aunt, an uncle. No matter what you do, when they're gone, they can never be replaced. I'm the only one 
of my birth family left alive today on this earth. In that regard, I'm completely alone. And oh, there are lots of people that minister to me, pray for me, care about me. And I love them all so much I can't even describe it. But they'll never be my mom. They'll never be my dad. They'll never be my sister. Because life matters. Every life. Quit arguing about which life matters. They all matter. I dare you to turn around and tell somebody you matter. If God puts you here, you matter. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.